0: 934- 1-381-4567, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual
1: Bible Study for Thursday, February 18th, 2016. We're glad that you're with us tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad.
2: Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Am I getting...
1: You are uh, in tonight. Not hearing it. No, but you're in. I hear Thank you. Uh, And uh, we're glad that you're here. Look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567. Questions at com and the chat window at the bottom of your video feed tonight. We hope you are watching us live tonight and can sign in the chat room there. And behind the controls, uh, back uh, by popular demand, uh, Monty Overton is here. It's good to see
2: you tonight, Jacob.
1: Good to be with you, Monty. And it's been a long time, but glad that you're here. Look forward to your comments. And uh, we're going to continue the discussion we started last week.
2: Yeah, we started last week, we started a a discussion that we called marital status. I don't know if that's the best title. Yeah. But What we're talking about is, what we're trying to convey is that the Bible speaks to everyone, whatever your marital status. Last week we talked about people who've never been married, and I spent some time talking about maybe what you should do if you're looking for a mate. Uh, and then we talked about people who are newly married, we want to continue that tonight we've we 've got a couple of things I think we can cover during our time and then a third one that i don 't think we'll get finished tonight, but we want we want to talk about those what the, what does the Bible say to those who 've been married for a long time okay what does the Bible say to those who 've lost a mate, and then we 'll probably start but not finish a discussion of divorce
1: okay all right so the, the this is probably part two of three if you haven 't listened to the first one, you might want to stop. Listening to us in the recorded version, and go back and listen to that that program from February eleventh, two thousand sixteen. As we go on tonight, we want to talk about those who are never married, newly married. I'm sorry, married for a long time and widowed, uh, and then get into the subject of divorce. Yeah, 4567 Before we go any farther, though, you might remind our listeners about the bumper stickers that you've got. If hey, they yeah.
2: Want. Oh, and we did get some requests for that, but we've still got some left. If you'd like a little oval shaped sticker uh, it's about the shape of
1: if you were athletic it would be about the shape the size of like you're showing off that you ran a marathon
2: yeah or a half marathon or a or half marathon or whatever
1: or maybe you have a foreign country that you're a fan of one of those yes yeah. those letters yeah, That's about right. that
2: size about that size and it and it tells the address of the virtual bible study and you can stick that on your card and give us a little advertising if you want if you want one of those send me an email to questions at com. Give me your snail mail address, and I'll, I'll stick one in the mail to you right away. might
1: be a conversation starter with someone who sees it on yeah, the back of your car.
2: And I think that's what we need to be looking for, really, when we're out in the world. Uh, we want to be able to influence people for good, and we need something We need something that gets the, t- the conversation sure. started.
1: All right. Send an email, questions at com. We can get you those bumper stickers free of charge uh, so that you can help us spread the word about the program. All right. The- Oh, I, my, my, my
2: great.
3: I actually had that happen i was up at a bookstore in cool springs and i come out and there was somebody at the back of my vehicle looking at my virtual bible study sticker writing the information down on it and asked me what it was about so i was able to tell them and more than one time, I was, at a, I was at a basketball game for my granddaughters last year, and somebody seen it on the back of the truck.
1: I got stopped at a rest area in uh, northern Georgia <clears throat> one time by a guy about it, and a bookstore in Cool Springs, Tennessee, where maybe the same one you were, may have been the same guy. I was in that.
2: I was in the parking lot at a doctor's office, and somebody asked me. So it, it's a way to get work, to get some, some message out so, there.
1: If you like one, questions at collegeview.com.
2: All right, uh, and, and remember, too, that to get on our mailing list, if you're not, send us an email to questions at com and just say, add me to your list. We send up, an a, up send out an update every Thursday about what our topic is going to be for discussion, and you'll get that. And you'll also get our weekly bulletin. We send the bulletin out on Tuesday, and we send our virtual Bible study update out on Thursday, and we won't bother you any other time.
1: All right. Two emails a week, questions at Add Get added to the list so you can get those updates. All right. Yeah on to the program
2: all right so last week we talked about those who were newly married uh, and and now we want to sort of go to the other end of the spectrum what about some of us old timers who've been married for a very long time you know uh, it's it's a disturbing trend sometimes uh, i mean and, and you hear about it more so than you ever did before people who've been married for a really really long time suddenly getting a divorce yeah. Uh, you know, and you think, "Wow, what's going on here?" Right? uh I think that the the Bible does speak to those who have been married for a long time. monty you wondered why we invited you tonight.
1: <laughs> I-, I
3: figured it
2: out. <laughs> he, monty just had a wedding anniversary, so he, he's he's uh, he's he's a long timer as well. Um, I think I think what we would emphasize to those people from the Scripture again. We're not just talking about what human counselors might say, because human counselors would probably give you bad advice right. about marriage at any state or at any level. Right. But the, the scriptures have the right advice. And I think the thing that we would in, in, uh, remind us all about is that the Bible says that marriage is primarily about companionship. Uh, uh, it's, it's not just at the beginning of the relationship that companionship is important. I think it is true throughout. Uh, uh, there ought to be a, a growing uh sense of companionship as the marriage matures uh, unfortunately sometimes we see people who you know very much in love at the start can't spend enough time together but then as the years roll on they sort of develop separate lives from one another and they don't spend much time together they hardly even acknowledge one another and, right. and that's a big mistake because Marriage is intended by God to be for companionship, and that runs throughout the marriage relationship.
1: All right, absolutely. Uh, It's part of the design of God. When he instituted the the arrangement and the institution, uh, he designed it for that companionship, and it's something that we need to realize is crucial and and fundamental.
2: Yeah, you know, in Genesis 2, I think you're alluding to Genesis 2, verse 18, when God instituted the marriage relationship relationship. Uh, Genesis 2.18, the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone. Well, that's always true, right? That, that would be true if you're a young man seeking a wife or you're a young man who just married a wife. But it's true of an, an old man, too. It's not a good thing to be alone. And God designed marriage, primarily designed marriage, to fulfill that need for companionship.
1: That's right. And so it, we could the inverse of that would be true. It is good. For a man to have companionship and uh that's uh something that we need to be nurturing and building in this relationship
2: but you know if 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 as a husband i've had i've been married for many many years and i i i, I just begin to take my wife for granted uh we don't really do anything together we never spend any time together um we live in the same house but we hardly ever talk to each other right then I think that is a description of somebody who is violating God's plan for marriage. Uh, God had a plan for marriage that involved companionship. And a person who would approach their relationship that way, I think, would be circumventing or negating God's plan for their life.
1: That's a pretty big statement you made there. I don't know that a lot of people would consider that or think about that. But you're saying that if I'm not cultivating that, then I'm in violation of God's will for me.
2: I think so, don't you?
1: I would, I would say so, but I don't think many people would think that
2: way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I remember hearing a really sad uh, uh, expression from a lady who had been married to such a man who who showed her no attention at all, and they had no on really had no effective relationship with one another. They lived right. separate lives, and uh, she was thinking about divorce. It was one of those deals where you know been married a long time now, suddenly thinking about divorce, and, and her expression was really a sad one. She said. Uh If I have to be alone i 'd rather be by myself wow now that I thought that was a particularly sad expression. She yeah. felt alone now he was still he was still there. she had to put up with his presence, but she felt alone and she 'd rather just be by herself if she had to be alone
1: all right that that is a very sad statement uh probably she verbalized something though that many feel and would not maybe be courageous enough to say yeah, yeah, uh, unfortunately. All right, uh in the chat room tonight, uh, Joe in West Virginia says First Peter chapter 3 gives in some instructions to the wife, while for Ephesians 5 gives for both the husband and wife regardless of age. And certainly it does and we can talk about those as we go along tonight. Thank you yeah, for that. Yeah, those and
2: I think you're right, Joe. Those are the sort of the classic text uh for married couples, husbands and wives, Ephesians 5, First Peter 3. But if Absent in those contexts is this is for you if you've just been, if you've been married less than ten years
1: yeah right
2: that's not true it's 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 there for all of married life right
1: all right
3: so I
2: think that's a good observation Joe okay um, the thing that I guess that we would encourage couples if they find themselves maybe not fulfilling that companionship model that God has for marriage. Uh Would be to sort of rekindle that, rekindle the the, the flame, rekindle the romance, uh, nurture those feelings, get them going again. I mean, you might as well be realistic. If it, if the, if there's no feeling there, if if you haven't uh, been doing what you ought to do to mature this relationship, and it's really sort of fallen apart, then what you need to do is repent and get it going again. Yes, uh, I remember hearing a story about a fellow who went to see a preacher, uh, and uh, uh, he was he was he was in one of those sort of midlife crisis kind of situation, and uh, he he admitted that he he didn't love his his wife anymore, and he and he, he he was divulging this to the preacher, and he said he said what can I do? What should I do? Uh, and the preacher said, well. He said i think there's only one thing you can do and he and, and the guy kind of perked up you know he was hoping that the preacher would say you're going to have to divorce her and find another wife the preacher instead say you really want have there's only really one thing you can do repent and right. start loving her again yeah
1: well you but you don't understand uh the way that my wife treats me or the way that my husband treats me you don't understand the things that we've been through you don't understand that well the spark's just not there anymore you don't read any of those conditions in the passages that Joe, for instance, referenced in Second Peter chapter three or Ephesians chapter five. There's no stipulations on your spouse. Husbands love your wives if they're if they're lovable. If they're, yeah,
2: if they're if they're really an ideal wife, love them. Or, but if they're not, right. you don't have to. Right. It doesn't say that.
1: Yeah. It says you do what you're supposed to do and uh, get with it. And so uh, that's something we need to remember.
2: I thought there's there's sort of a, this is completely a different context, but in Revelation chapter 2, when the Lord was speaking to the church at Ephesus, he said unto the angel of the church at Ephesus, write, and then it goes on to say, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Well, that's sort of like describing a husband. He's left his first love. He doesn't love his wife anymore. What, what What was the church at Ephesus to do? Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. or else I will come to thee quickly, and remove thy candlestick out of his place. Except thou repent. So, you know, if, if you sort of take the, the, the idea of the church being the bride of Christ,
1: right, yeah, yeah. you know,
2: here's the bride of Christ, and they've lost their first love. Yeah. Uh, what do they got to do? Repent. Yeah. Okay, so here's a husband or wife who's lost their first love for their mate. What do you do? Well, you repent, and you get back busy loving that person the way god commands them to be loved
3: all right excellent comments money i think the something we have to remember about this this love that we're commanded here isn't a, a gooey emotional thing uh, that we feel maybe that initially we was attracted somehow with but with if it can be commanded then it has to be related to our attitude. So God has commanded a husband to love his wife and the wife to love her husband and, and the other aspects of the relationship that we're supposed to have. So if I'm commanded to love my wife, that's a demonstration of attitude that I have. I've got to have a loving attitude toward her, and I have to treat her appropriately like I love her. And that's not something
0: that I mean, fall I, so into. I, I, may, have, so I may have
3: changed my attitude from when I first met her or from when we first married, to where I'm not behaving properly toward her anymore, but I can change that attitude back also because there's only two things in life you can control, and that's your actions and your attitude, and your attitude is really what determines your actions. So if I'm not acting properly toward my wife and demonstrating love to her, as we said, I know a preacher, I genuinely do know a preacher, that told somebody they had to repent when they said they didn't love their wife anymore. And so... I have to repent of that. I have to display an attitude of love toward her and treating her properly.
2: That's right. It's, a, it's an act of the will. Yeah. You, you commit yourself to do what you're supposed to do. You do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not It's
1: not an accidental or it just. It's, to not, just it's not. It's not. Like, as you said, Mike, you use the alarm. word
2: sort of gooey, you know, a gooey feeling like like teenagers have. It's mm-hmm. not that. Right. It's an act of the committed will in the heart uh, to do what you're supposed to do toward your mate. All you, right. You made a covenant. You made a promise when you married and. You're expected to fulfill that promise. promise. Yeah. All
1: right. Uh, Joe in West Virginia says a Christian husband should treat his wife, first of all, as a sister in Christ, concerning how he treats her. To treat her as a sister in Christ, we should love one another. That about covers all we are commanded. And uh, thank you for those, Joe. And Kevin uh, says tonight, he says... uh, the command is to love. Anything else is sin. He's agreeing with you on that. He says love for someone else as well as God removes our selfishness, switching towards selflessness. I and that so. certainly is this love that we're talking about. Exactly right. Okay.
2: You know, and then and then I got one more thing I would add. I, I think all of those things we've said are so important. I think that's the main thing that we would say to people, what the Bible says to people who've been married for a long time keep the flame alive, build the relationship, mature it over time. It should be stronger. You know, as I think back over the years of, of some married couples I knew that I thought were so exemplary in their old age, it was clear they loved each other more than they ever had before. Right. You know, and, and that's the way it ought to be uh, right. in marriage. Okay. Uh, but then I think also you got to be ready for the realities of old age and diminished health uh you know if if we're married you know for a long time then as we get older we're going to start having health issues other problems will come along and you got to be prepared for that i i you can't say well i'm going to love her but man if she has if she starts having a lot of health problems i can't deal with that i'm yeah. out of here yeah you know? You know, uh that would not that would obviously not be true, but you get, be prepared for those realities, you know. If your time is coming. Hebrews nine twenty seven is appointed and a man wants to die, and after this judgment. You have got an appointment coming, and your appointment is with old age if you live to old age with declining health and eventual death. And one of you is gonna die before the other one, unless right. you both die in a car crash or something right. simultaneously. Right. Um uh, So, you know, be aware of that God promises to help us with those sort of things first corinthians ten thirteen there 's no temptation taking you but such as is common to man, but God will with the temptation God is faithful who will not suffer you be tempted above that you 're able but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear God will help you to bear that 's going to be a burden if you're if your mate uh, develops serious medical uh, health issues and you end up being The the expression we use these days is a caretaker. You end up being their caretaker. Well, that's what you signed on for, and and you just uh, admit to that.
1: It gets back to Kevin's point about selflessness. Uh, Certainly, that's what uh, this is about: is not being selfish, but being selfless. What we would hope that our mate would do for us, and we need to get busy doing it for them.
2: I heard a real touching story, uh, a good little while ago, but I've repeated it several times. That this fellow's wife had developed. Alzheimer's, and she was she she basically didn't know anything. She was in the nursing home, and she didn't even know, know her own name, let alone anybody else. And she didn't acknowledge her husband, but he came every day. Every day he came and he sat with her and he fed her her meals because she couldn't feed herself. And every day he was there just just religiously. Every day he was there, sitting by her side, caring for her. And uh, someone said, "Why do you do that? Why do you do that? She doesn't even know who you are." I- and he said. I still know who she is. Right. You know, and that's that's the, that's the idea of this commitment in old age, especially that we need to be ready for. All right.
1: Uh, Kevin or sorry, Joe. Joe's going to put himself he's going to put himself in this married for a long time category tonight. He says he's been married for 40 years and has been blessed with a loving Christian wife all these years. This does not mean there have not been and continue to be disagreements. But when we remember the general commands given, it always works. Take no vengeance, forgive, Etc. Uh, so, uh, Joe says there are going to be rocks in the road. Oh, yeah. Bumps in the road.
2: Anybody who thinks that a married life would never have, you know, issues to deal with is just being unrealistic.
1: And, you know, that may be a discouragement to some people. They look at that couple that's been married for 40 years, like Joe, and they, Joe and his wife seem to be happy, and, and, uh, and my my family's just getting started, and we've been fighting. We got some, but Joe and his wife, they don't
2: ever have. Any they never had a fight. They got it easy.
1: Yeah, there's just something. There's some kind of chemistry there that we don't have, and they can make it work, but we just can't do it.
2: No, that's not the case, is right. it? That's okay. right. All right. Uh, All right. And and he goes on to mention true love includes the nursing, the back rubs, taking her out to eat, buying flowers, helping out around the house, a lot of things by which we show our love for our mate, uh, and and really we ought to be looking for ways to do that. You know, it it, it we shouldn't just stumble along mindlessly we ought to be looking for ways to demonstrate our love and commitment to our mate even when we've been married a long time. All right.
1: Any other comments Monty? uh, Well I believe what we just
3: talking about looking for ways that talks speaks I believe to what the command we have to dwell with our wives with understanding Uh, that means we've got to spend time with them and get to know them find out what they like what they need and those needs as we were talking about change with time Uh, my needs aren't the same now as they were 31 years ago when Tina and I married so we have to be spending time and communicating with each other so we know what those needs are so that I can understand what my role is and to, to meet her needs.
2: Yeah, uh, and uh, you, you referenced uh, there, dwell with them according to knowledge, 1 Peter 3, verse 7. To have that knowledge, you're going to have to spend time with them and communicate with them. I think that's, you're right. That's right. Let's so, grab a break, Jacob, and come back and talk about those who've lost a mate. All
1: right, we'll talk about the widowed uh, next. Okay. And uh, we'll look forward to your comments. Don't go anywhere. The verse Bible Study will continue right after this. There's more of the Virtual Bible Study to come after these important
3: messages. Stay tuned. This is Monty Overton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. We appreciate your interest in the Bible. It is, after all, God's message to us. We thought you might be encouraged by a poem written by A.Z. Conrad entitled, The Bible Stands. It goes like this. Century follows century, there it stands. Empires rise and fall and are forgotten, there it stands. Dynasty succeeds dynasty. There it stands. Kings are crowned and uncrowned. There it stands. Emperors decree its extermination. There it stands. Atheists rail against it. There it stands. Agnostics smile cynically. There it stands. Profane, prayerless punsters caricature it. There it stands. Unbelief abandons it. There it stands. Higher critics deny its claimed inspiration. There it stands. The flames are kindled against it. There it stands. The tooth of time gnaws but makes no dent in it. There it stands. Infidels predict its abandonment. There it stands. Modernism tries to explain it away. There it stands.
2: Here's some quotes worth pondering. How do you break a bad habit? The same way you developed it. One incident at a time, five minutes at a time, one hour at a time, one day at a time. Those who do not obey the gospel are walking over the pit of hell on a rotten bridge. Man, wish I'd said that. See, I told you we'd be back. The virtual Bible study continues.
1: Back on the program tonight talking about uh, the marital status. We've talked about those who've been married for a long time. And if you missed the program last week from February 11th, 2016, we've talked about those who are never married, those who are newly married. So maybe if you fall into one of those categories, you might go back and listen to that program. Next up, as we talk about marital status, trying to catch everyone here, those who have lost a mate.
2: Yeah, what we're, what we're trying to emphasize here, Jacob, is that the Bible speaks to us in all circumstance. There's, you can't describe a person who, who does not, who, you know, there's no person in, in general who says, well, yeah, you know, the Bible's a good book, but it doesn't, it doesn't deal with me. It doesn't deal with my circumstances. It doesn't deal with my life. I like the book. I read the Bible now and then, but it just doesn't really deal with the things I'm dealing with. That's, a, that's not true. And, and what we're saying here, and specifically in regards to marriage, is it covers all the bases. The Bible covers all the bases. Whatever status you're in relative to marriage, it covers that. All right. And so uh, we want to talk about those now who have lost a mate. Um, and uh, we, we have a rather long email from our friend Ramona in Texas who recently lost her husband back in December. Her husband passed away, so she's got some comments we'll try to include here
1: yeah and i think it will learn from her comments that she's she's dealing with this the way that someone should by turning to god rather than turning away from him as many yeah. are tempted to do
2: yeah um certainly i think the scriptures would tell us that there are some dangers for people who have lost a mate and some things to be on guard against and a text that i would highlight about that is first timothy chapter five in First Timothy chapter five verse nine, Paul says, "Let a widow be put on the list only if she is not less than sixty years old," and then goes on to list some qualifications. My understanding of that list is that the that the congregation, the local church, would have uh, a list or a role of widows that would be their permanent benevolent charge. Mm-hmm. In other words, the church would accept these widows. As ones that would be permanently cared for benevolently uh, by the church. So, Paul, and and, so I think that's what Paul's meaning when he says, let a widow be put on the list only if she is not less than, uh, only if she is not less than 60 years old. Uh, I don't think that's right. I'm not reading that right. I've got, I've got that printed out, but I think she has to be over 60 years old. Yes. And I don't think, I don't, I don't know why I have that written that way there. Yeah, do
1: not under 60 years old, let her not be taken into the number. Yeah. So she's got.
2: Let's see, it, the King James says, let not a widow be taken into the number under three score years old. And so I don't know. I've, well, I've, I've only
1: printed. if she's not less than 60 years old would mean that she has to be greater than 60 years old.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, 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 the way that's worded on my chart here is not accurate. It is uh, but,
1: accurate. you just got a little, uh, we got a little got got bo- a, brain, got brain a, freeze. you got a brain, got crazy, brain freeze. Anyway, okay.
2: okay, so anyway, she had to be 60 years old or older. Yeah. And then it gives some other qualifications for her. But, but the part of the text that deals with what we're talking about is, but refuse to put younger widows on the list for when they feel sensual desires in disregard of Christ, they want to get married, thus incurring condemnation because they have set aside their previous pledge. Well, in other words uh, so here's a widow she's less than sixty she says well, I want to be cared for because I don't ever intend to get married again well, Paul is saying she will be tempted to be married again and then she'll break her p- pledge that she said she wasn't going to get married again, and it would be a problem so don't even deal with that don't even go there if she's less than sixty years old don't put her in this list now that's not to say that a widow a younger widow couldn't be cared for on a on a uh as needed basis, but she couldn't be accepted as the permanent lifetime benevolent charge of the congregation. Uh, he says, he goes on to say, and at the same time they also learn to be idle as they go around from house to house and not merely idle but gossips and busybodies talking about things not proper to mention. Therefore I want younger widows to get married, bear children, keep house, and give the enemy no occasion for reproach, for some have already turned aside to follow Satan. And so uh, I'm just using that text to say there are some dangers associated to suddenly being without a mate. Uh, And you might get involved in doing things that you shouldn't do. Uh, He mentions things like being idle, being gossips and busybodies, uh, talking about things that shouldn't be mentioned and so forth. So I would say to the person who has lost a mate, and it could be a man or a woman, know that there's some new temptations there that you've got to be on guard against.
1: Right. Right. That's a good that's a good point to bring out of that. And that uh, certainly things have changed now and you need to be on guard against Satan's attacks.
2: I see that now, Jacob. Let a widow be put on the list only if she is not we less had a little, than we had 60. A block years. There. Yeah, I had a mental block, brain, brain freeze. Uh I think another thing uh certainly would be, and, and maybe Ramona can speak to this too, uh, because she just lost her husband. But you know that that would be a thing that could potentially make you bitter. You know, right. why has God done this to me? How many times have we heard people ask that sort of question? Why is God doing this to me? Right. You know, and we should never uh, charge God in that way. We need to be careful about bitterness. Hebrews twelve fifteen, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby, thereby many be defiled. So I think we would have to guard against bitterness.
1: It sort of seemed to be an acceptable alternative to Job's wife. Uh, she, had tipped it, she, she encouraged him to express some of that bitterness. He hadn't lost a spouse, but he would lost his children, and he lost his health, and uh, that bitterness seemed like an alternative to her. Uh, and so it's something that we have to be aware of. So many people have fallen prey to that temptation to, to turn better and turn against God.
2: That's right. right. Um, we might look at what Ramona has written here. Uh, she says, when you are in shock and you feel powerless to cope and unable to think straight, understand that you don't have to at that you don't have to at that moment. God will patiently lead to safety. Those who consciously turn to him and are dependent on his guidance. Uh, she quotes Psalm twenty nine eleven. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Yeah, uh,
1: there's a lot, certainly a lot of comfort that can be had from this book of Psalms at times like that.
2: Yeah, uh, and she says, uh, God uh, will accept you, love you. You're never beyond hope. Uh, she references First Peter 1, verse 13. Uh, be prepare your minds for action. Be self controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Christ Jesus is revealed. Uh, so uh, th- then she references, uh, uh, I'm not sure what verse this is. Uh, she says she talks about a woman. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that the child is born into the world. So with you now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. But I'm not sure the That's reference John chapter 16, John, verses John 16. 21 and 22, okay. John 16. All right. So the Lord understands that sometimes we deal with grief. uh Then she says, listen to God's promise from Jeremiah 29, 11 beginning. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans to prosper you, not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. I will. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Now, that's a promise to us all, but I can see how a person who's lost a mate could take special consolation right, right. in that particular promise. And
1: they don't necessarily have to have a physical uh, perspective on it. They're definitely... Yeah, it can be physical blessings coming our way, but uh, most importantly, spiritual blessings yeah. that God has in mind for us.
2: And and she says uh, you're not alone, and, and but you may have doubts. She 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 understands that there may be some weakness and doubting going yeah. on. She references David in the Psalms, twenty two, verse one: "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning?" Yeah. I actually think Proverbs or uh, Psalms 22. There's a, a prophetic psalm about the suffering Savior. Certainly, but,
1: David felt. But uh, David at times uh, felt deserted. That, yeah. Yes.
2: Job says, uh, Chapter seven, verse seven. Remember, O God, that my life is but a breath. My eyes will never see happiness again. Job thought he would never see happiness again, but we, we read at the end of the book of Job that uh, God did good things to him. God is faithful to do what He says uh, He will do, regardless of how you feel or what you believe. Philippians four nineteen, My God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Proverbs 5, 4, Jesus promises comfort, comfort and blessing to those who go through the process of grief and mourning. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I actually think that's not the mourning of a loss of a loved one. I, I actually think Matthew 5, verse 4 is talking about mourning over our sinfulness, but uh, uh, that's a little different application of it. Uh, then she's got... Uh, Psalm 139, nine one fourteen 14, and 16. You have examined my heart and know everything about me. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Uh, uh, that's from uh, a newer paraphrase translation. And then Isaiah 40, verse 31. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Yep. And so thank you, Ramona. I appreciate you going to the trouble of, of uh, expressing those thoughts to us as someone who's just gone through what we're talking about here.
1: Yeah. All right. Yes, Ramona, thank you for those thoughts. And certainly Ramona can talk firsthand and uh, and share some of the things that have been beneficial to her.
2: And then just real quickly to summarize this, if you have one who just recently lost a mate or maybe it's been some time since you lost a mate, you may need help. I think you look to your family for help primarily. I think First Timothy, we were talking from 1 Timothy 5 about the church taking in a, a widow indeed. The church can be a help. Family is the first resource to help someone with you, problems. You're that,
1: talking about physical needs.
2: Physical needs. Yeah. Uh, Tim, 1 Timothy 5, verse 4, if any widow have children or nephews, let them first, sh- uh, let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. Uh, If any man or woman that believeth have widows, let them relieve them and let not the church be charged that it may help them that are widows, that it may relieve them that are widows indeed. So the church can get involved, but the church uh, when it comes to matters of benevolence, the church is an agency of last resort, not first resort. And so, you know, I think a widow has a a right to uh, expect the help of her family. With with whatever issues she's dealing with. All
1: right, time for a break. They appreciate Ramona's comments in the chat room tonight. And they're getting a little cocky in there. I think we need to go ahead and get a break before it gets any worse. Joe's wife and Kevin's wife can't imagine themselves marrying again. And Kevin has concluded it's because they're such incredible husbands that they could never find anybody that could compare. Yeah, well, I be, think be it care, might be. Be
2: careful about that, Kevin. You know, uh, I read a, I read a survey just recently where over 50% of wives in America said if they had it, to do over again, they would not marry the well, same. That's why I'm thinking it. And Maybe
1: that Kevin's wife it, couldn't take the chance on getting in that kind of shape again. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. Uh, we're going to get a break. We'll get this week's bullet point. We'll get your thoughts on the other side. We need to get to the subject of divorce when we get back. That's a lengthy one. Yeah, and, and I don't
2: think we'll get it done tonight, but we're going to get started on
1: it. All right. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this.
2: Got a question about something you've heard on the virtual Bible study Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. We'll be right back after this. This is Greg Wynn with this week's bullet point. In our easy credit times, many people are having issues with buying things they can't afford and ultimately failing to pay for the things they've purchased. Surveys indicate that the average American household has over $15,000 in credit card debt. That represents a good bit of buying without the ability to pay. And that leads to the rapid increase in bankruptcies that are being reported. One out of every 55 households in America has filed for bankruptcy. So what's a Christian to do? There are several important things to consider. First, remember that everything we have is from God. We are simply stewards of his blessings and should use all for his glory. Jeremiah 9.24 says, Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth God. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for he it is that giveth thee power to get wealth. Second, be carefully on guard against materialism and covetousness. Jesus warned, quote, how hard it is for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God, Mark 10, verse 24. Paul said the desire to be rich leads to temptation and destruction, 1 Timothy 6, verse 9. And again, Jesus advised that, quote, a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth Luke 12, verse 15. Third, prudent savings is commended in the scriptures. Proverbs 21 verse 20 says, quote, there is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. Finally, know that God expects and demands that we pay our bills. Psalm 37 verse 21 says, quote, the wicked borroweth and payeth not again. Romans 13 verse 8 instructs us, quote, owe no man anything but to love one another. So wise planning and careful spending are essential, not just for financial security, but also for spiritual safety. Right priorities will keep us on track in both realms. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it.
1: My name is Cole, and I'm eight years old. My name is Thomas, and I'm seven years old. And our families love
0: to listen to the Virtual Bible Study.
2: God's Word has the answers.
1: Let's get back to studying it. The Virtual Bible Study rolls along. Back on the program tonight, reminding you of this program. We want to remind you this program. is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And uh, send us a question any time, or a suggestion for a future edition of the virtual Bible study. Send it to questions at collegeview.com. We'd love to hear from you uh, at any time. Uh, let us know your thoughts.
2: All right. So we've talked about four categories, uh, and I'm sure that a lot of people we're talking to that that, that have been listening and been involved and in joining in the discussion have have experienced. Uh, the things we talked about never married of course we're all never married at some point we're looking for a mate and then we talked about newly married long time married we talked about those who've lost a mate but now we've got to talk about a category that really touches the lives of a lot of people these days and that's the subject of divorce
1: and it's becoming more and more of a subject uh, that we have to unfortunately discuss uh as uh, well i was talking with the high school class last night about this about how Divorce has become such a common thing in our society and so accepted, uh, even among those who are religious.
2: Yeah, just a couple of generations ago, divorce was really a shameful thing. People even even and I've known of people who were innocent in the matter of the divorce, but they felt a shame associated with the fact that the divorce happened, even though they weren't the cause of the divorce. It was shameful in our
1: society. Yeah. And it was not accepted among religious folks. When we talked about this a few um, few months ago, about uh, oh, about 100 years, 70, 80 years ago, major denominations forbade it. On as a general rule, it was it was against the precepts of any denomination uh, the idea of divorce without cause. Yeah. And uh, now look how far it's come. You know, surprise i surprised to folks. I was
2: thinking some of our listeners can confirm this, uh, but. I think Ronald Reagan in 1980 was the first president ever that had a divorce in his background. It, it was in it, our society viewed it so negatively that a politician with a divorce probably didn't have a hope of being elected to high office. Right. Because people would look badly on that in in, in his past. That's boy. That's gone fast. That's way gone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Here now tonight we've got Donald Trump running for president, and he's on his third wife. But it's not an issue. Nobody cares about that. That right. that's not a problem. Right. Uh, and so you, you, things have really changed. Yeah. That's scary. So let's talk about divorce uh, again. Lots of people's lives. Probably almost everybody who's listening tonight has had someone uh, in their close family relationship touched by this issue of divorce it, it, it's a huge problem the numbers the statistics we won't even take time to go into that but it, it's just alarming uh, the number of divorces i think we need to start out uh with the making the general rule of god yeah. uh, and the general rule of god is that god hates divorce yeah Malachi chapter 2, verse 16 in the New American Standard Version says, I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. Uh, uh, Can you say that any plainer? I think Uh, that gets it done. Yeah. Uh, God hates divorce. In fact, his general rule is don't do it. Matthew 19, verse 6, what therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. And so if you you want to just say, here's God's general rule about marriage. His general rule is he hates divorce, and he tells you don't do it. Yep. That's just that's just as simple as we can put it. Now, God's plan is one man, one woman for life.
1: Now, as we think about our society, how fast it has drifted away from these concepts that God has established, we need to remember Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, that we're not to be conformed to this world. We've got to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Our society will rub off on us. It's rub. It has successfully rubbed off on many, many Christians. Yeah, who claim to believe the Bible and follow what God wants them to do, but yet they've been influenced by our society, and now the divorce is
2: acceptable. Yeah, and it's a shame. And so
1: we've got to keep coming back to what God has established.
2: It, the moral truth that God states is not changeable, and it doesn't, it, the, the societal trends don't affect it. Right. Um, so where where do we begin when we talk about this divorce thing? uh I think everybody who teaches on this subject probably has their own particular approach, but the place I would like to start is by emphasizing that there's a difference in the scripture between being married and being bound those those terms are not synonymous and they are not interchangeable uh, so in matthew nineteen six which we just referenced, what God has joined together, let not man put asunder. Uh, the key expression here is there that God joins together in a rightful marriage uh, you know a man decides to marry a woman. This
1: is where you need your charts
2: It'd be great to have charts, but we we sort of decided we weren't going to do that because not uh, a lot of people listen in the podcast version and they wouldn't be they wouldn 't be seeing our charts, so we 're going to try to explain this. Okay. In, in a rightful marriage situation, a man and woman decide about marriage. You know, here's this guy, and he loves this girl, and she loves him back, and they decide to get married. Yep. They make that decision. Now, if they are eligible marriage partners, yep. not only do, do they commit, they make a decision, they marry one another, but God joins them together. God binds them uh, in that marriage relationship. Uh, we might notice... Uh, that expression being used in First Corinthians chapter seven verse thirty nine. The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth, but if her husband be dead she is at liberty to be married to whom she will only in the Lord. Notice she's she's married, but notice she's also bound. She's bound by the law so long as her husband liveth. Yep. So they made they made the husband and wife, when they decided to get married, they made that choice. Man and woman regulate the marriage, but God governs the binding of those two in that marriage relationship. And so again, I like to sort of picture it as a, as a three way, uh, uh, triangle, triangle, a principle that involves three man and woman married, but God is the third person in that triangle. God binds the man and woman into that marriage relationship. Assuming that they have a right to be married, we'll talk here in a minute about if they don't have a right to be married, they can't be bound into a relationship that's not right. But
1: they can be married. They can be married,
2: but they wouldn't be bound if it, if they weren't eligible marriage partners.
1: All right. So now you're using two different terms for this relationship: married and bound. Two different terms. You're saying the married part of it is man's action.
2: Yeah. Here's a guy. Here's a guy who's he's been he's had five wives. He's cheated on every one of them. Yeah. He finds a sixth woman. And he marries her. Is he married? He's married. He married her. Yeah. Uh, but he's not bound in that relationship by God. He has no right to be in that relationship according to God. So God doesn't join them together. They're not joined together by God. They're not bound. They're married. They got a marriage license. They went through the procedure. Man recognizes them, acknowledges them as being married. But God does not bind them. They're not bound by the law of God. They don't have a right to be to, to be man and wife uh, under the law of God
1: Romans chapter 7 uses both of those terms together side by side to show that there are two different things and I think it, it illustrates what you've just said very nicely Romans chapter 7 verse 2 for the woman who is who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives but if he if the husband dies she is released from the law of her husband so there's the idea of being bound. But notice verse 3, so then if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. So there's the idea of being bound and also the idea of being married. And it is possible to break the marriage while you're still bound and enter into another marriage covenant while you're still bound to the first husband. According, According to right. that passage.
2: I think that's exactly right. And that's that's a very important text that you've just brought up, Jacob. Romans seven verses two and three. For those who are listening, it talks about the, the woman. She has a husband. She's bound by the law to her husband so long as he lives. Then it goes on to say, but if while her husband lives, he's still her husband. Yeah, he's still living. Yeah. But she gets married to another man. What's that? That's adultery. Why? Because she's still bound to her first yeah. husband, but she's married to another man. And that, that is, the, by the way, the biblical definition of adultery. Bound to one, but married to a different one. Yeah. You know, that's not the definition of adultery that the world has. No,
1: no. That's just if you're cheating on your spouse while you're married.
2: Yeah. Well, what, what if... Here's this guy and uh he was married to his wife, but he met this other woman at work and uh you know he, they had an affair, and so he he got a quickie divorce from his wife and and he and he married his girlfriend from work and if you if you went out on the street and asked people, "Is he committing adultery, they Well, no, he's married to her he yeah. married that right. girlfriend from work right. that's they're, they're married that's not the world doesn't understand adultery right. from the biblical point of view. The biblical definition of mar of of adultery is Bound to one, but married to a different one. And when you've got that picture, you've got the picture of biblical adultery.
1: And so many people can't understand that. And that they, uh, people, the world would say, if you're married, then you're not committing adultery. Romans chapter 7, verses 2 and 3 says, it is possible to commit adultery while you're married to that person you're committing the adultery with, because you're still bound by God to that first spouse. And that. Well, we can talk about that later on, but that tells us why it's not permissible just to repent of of getting the first divorce and staying with the one you're with now.
2: Because you're still in the same situation. You're still in the same situation until death.
1: Because releases. you hadn't repented.
2: Right. Yeah, you hadn't really well, repented. True
1: repentance would mean, yeah, you would change. All right.
2: All right. Now, d- just as sort of a side note here uh, at this point, uh, 1 Corinthians 7, verses 10 and 11, you know. I can get a divorce and I can become unmarried, even though it's what God doesn't want me to do. Notice 1 Corinthians 7, verse 10: To the married I command, yet not I but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband, but and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his wife. Here's the situation: the, the, the woman doesn't want to be married anymore. Can she get a divorce? Yeah, she can put him away, and she would be unmarried. She's still bound. But she's not married to that man anymore. Again, just emphasizing that married and bound are not synonymous terms.
1: All right. Now, you need to repeat that again. Romans 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 10 and 11. God says, don't get a divorce. Don't do it. Don't do it. But you did it. But I did it anyways.
2: What, what is your status?
1: Well, he says I'm unmarried. You're
2: there. not married. You're unmarried. But I would still be bound. But still Bound. And then and then the only recourse you would have in that situation is to be reconciled, remain unmarried, or be reconciled to the husband.
1: Uh-huh. Uh So, again, two different terms, yeah. and marriage being the man's part, bound being the God's part. I think that's right. All right.
2: All right. Now. Let's go back to Romans seven for a minute. What time we got here? We got ten minutes left. Are we going to skip our final break, or we're we going to take it? Right well, quick? I was
1: just pondering that. I think we're probably on a roll here. We might want to go ahead and go. Okay. Our right, listeners keep... can
2: can stand it. We probably need to keep going. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, back to Romans seven. So it says, "The woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth." But if the husband be dead, she's loosed from the law of her husband. So that if so, then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. Uh, and again, I just want to—I'm just restating that carefully so everyone understands. That's what the Bible says is adultery. This woman is an adulteress because her husband that she's bound to is still alive, but she has divorced him and married another man. She's married to another man. But she's bound concerning by the law of God concerning that first husband, and that's why she's an adulteress. And, right. and so we really got to stress what, what? How does the Bible define adultery? And that is it. That's right. Any if, thoughts if on if that, money?
1: For that If it wasn't for that that binding there by God, it'd be impossible for her to be an adulteress because she was not married to that first person. Uh, but she's called an adulteress after she's married to the second man. Indicating there's still a, a, a binding there by God. Yeah,
2: yeah. Adultery is. You know, a lot of people define adultery as a married person having sexual relations with someone they're not married to. All right. That's not. That's not. That's not accurate to the Bible definition of what adultery is. All right,
1: money.
3: Well, like you say, the world has got an entirely different outlook on this, and they make all sorts of excuses in order to be able to be married to this other person and pretend that it's acceptable for god but the scriptures is really clear on this i mean there's a lot of things that are maybe difficult to understand that's in the bible but i don't really and truly believe if we're honest about it that this is difficult to understand the bible is very clear we're supposed to stay married to our original spouse for the remainder of our life and if we change that we're doing something god doesn't want us to do
1: absolutely
2: um But the problem is, Monty, as you well know, is it's such it's an emotional thing, you know. And so once we get our emotions tied up into it, then we don't want to see the clear truth of the Bible, you know. And I think that's why this has become such a big problem because people try to determine it emotionally rather than rationally by looking at the simple truth. This is this is not rocket science. It's pretty straightforward. And I believe if we'll allow it to do so. The Word of God and his teaching on this subject will will apply to every conceivable circumstance that, you, that a man and woman might be in relative to the, the divorce situation. You know, I've, I've heard brethren say, I just sure wish that the Lord had been a little bit more specific about this divorce thing. Well, actually, I think if he had been more specific, then it wouldn't have fit every circumstance. And so in his wisdom, he put it out there just exactly so that it will apply. If we're honest and if if we'll allow it to do so, the law of God on this matter will apply to every circumstance.
1: Some comments in the chat room tonight. Nick says, from the viewpoint of history as during the days of Christ in the Roman Empire, divorce was widespread. The fact that God said he hated divorce was due. Uh, to the people's evil use of the practice our society is not unique there's nothing new under the sun
2: I mean, that's that's right thank
1: you nick uh and uh kevin agrees he says god's word does not simply have marriage law for us in 2016 those in oh oh 16 and uh, and also 2016 years before christ had, had the same rules uh and um and let's see here. We also have a well. Con- the
2: general rule of God about marriage goes back to Adam and Eve. Genesis two.
1: Yeah, uh, I guess ninety six twelve says for one, the pain that comes with divorce is devastating. I can't help but think about my aunt and uncle. My uncle found his wife cheating on him. She agreed to repent and stay loyal to him, but he caught her again several months later. He was unable to take the pain anymore, and he decided decided to file for divorce. It really hurt our family, but especially to see his young children go through this. He felt that he wasn't right with God, but thankfully he has come around to accept what happened to him. You know, uh, our society wants to minimize uh, the pain that divorce causes, uh, especially with the children. Uh, You hear people say, well, our kids would be better off if mom and dad weren't married because we just can't get along, Uh, and all kinds of justification and rationalization for that. Uh, but certainly that does not uh, cover the pain uh, of not having being in a relationship that, that God family relationship that God intends. Uh,
2: OK. And Nick uh, mentions he says uh, from John eight first four verses of John eight. The, there's an indication that adultery also involves certainly the sex act itself. Uh, because remember the Pharisees brought a woman. John eight verse three caught in adultery. Uh. Caught in the very act, uh, uh, so I, I do agree. I don't. I don't dispute that at all. Certainly, uh, sexual intimacy is involved in adultery, but it, it, it involves this business of bound to one while married to another. I think that's clear too. Right. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, 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 I, you know, if uh, if a, a married man had a, an affair with another woman rather uh, you know was unfaithful to his wife had an affair with another woman it's certainly sinful and it's, right. for, it's fornication right. but I, I don't think it would be adultery unless he put away his wife and married the other woman he'd be bound to her and married to the second woman and i think then he'd be committing adultery he'd be committing fornication when he was just having a relationship with a woman i think it would be identified as adultery when he actually divorced his wife and Unscripturally and marry the other. You don't one.
1: think the affair would be adultery?
2: I think it'd be fornication. I'm not sure it would fit the biblical definition. It's certainly fornication. Fornication is a broad term. Yeah. Adultery is a specific kind of fornication. Right. Okay. Uh, we can get some input on that okay. if okay. people disagree. But
1: but it is an it's an act. It's not a it's not a one time thing. It's not just entering a it's a, an ongoing a, a relationship. Yeah. You wouldn't say that the man's committing adultery the first time. Uh, you'd say that it's a, it's a continual thing. And so it is with this marriage that's not scriptural. It's that relationship that's sinful, and you can't just say, well, uh, we'll repent of it and stay in the relationship. you're You're continuing to commit the sin.
2: Yeah, exactly right.
1: All right. Kevin says, my thoughts about marriage and divorce. God's mind is simple and clear. Man and woman complicate the issue. Yeah. And Nick says the children being better off is only in the minds of selfish parents quite often. Yeah. I'd have to agree with that.
2: Yeah. All right. Listen, we are just almost out of time, and I think we're at a pretty good break point. Uh, Maybe get just a glimpse ahead at what we want to talk about next week. We want to talk about the three people involved typically in this uh, situation, the man, the woman, the third party who gets involved. You know, a, a man divorces his wife and marries another woman or vice versa. Uh, we're going to talk about God's, uh, the law of, of Christ is very clear for the husband, for the wife, for the third party who might get involved with those two. Uh, and then we've got to talk about the exception to the rule. We want to do that next week and then just a sneak peek farther down the road, what we want to talk about. And we, hopefully we're going to do this, you know, in pretty quick order, but what about that exception? Uh, we've got a, uh, a, a, a long time listener bill from texas who has corresponded with us at length uh, for a long time he's a person who believes there is no exception whereby god allows divorce and remarriage without sin uh i think he's wrong about that we've corresponded at length but i've promised to deal with that position we're going to do that and as we sort of tie, tie this up on, on the question about divorce.
1: Next week. You think we're going to get done next week? I don't know. We'll try. All right. We, 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 we'll try. Um, Monty, any final thoughts before we cut it loose tonight?
3: Well, I think the th- what we need to remember is that as we're talking about the biblical definitions of these things we've talked about, what all that really matters is what does God say about it and what does he intend for us and that we follow his plan. It doesn't matter. My emotions are what really irrelevant. Think, it doesn't matter what I think.
1: What sounds fair.
3: It's, well, so many, people wear that fair thing out. Life, There's so many things in life that's not fair. You can just say life's not fair. So we've got to get over that concept. we got to do what's just and right before God, and that's all that matters in this. Whether I like it or not personally, it's what does the Bible say, and that's what I've got to do.
2: All right. Okay, right. I think that's exactly well said, Monty. Okay.
1: All right. Well, uh, thank you, Monty, for taking time out of your schedule to be with us tonight.
2: Thank Enjoyed you Jacob. being with you,
1: Dad. Good discussion tonight. Look forward Thanks. to next week's.
2: Thank you. It's, it's it and unfortunately, it is a controversial thing. Yeah. But we've got to we've got to dig through the scriptures, accept what they teach, and practice them, irregardless of uh, where the where where it may end up. In my family, my my friends, my associates, you know. If the truth touches their situation, then we'll just have to say that's the case.
1: All right. So be back here next week as we talk about it and uh, bring a friend uh, to the discussion next week as we talk about, uh, well, more on the lines of divorce, what the scriptures teach about that. And we'll get into some ideas of remarriage. Is it permissible under what circumstances? Look forward to that discussion. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word tonight, and we hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life. Study his inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.